seriously, I had no idea. <laughs> um, so what's really fun about Quartzsite is we have a, a lot of different, very interesting people that come through Quartzsite. Um, and it's really fun. Quartzsite is a fun place, especially the people watch. Um, and you can watch people, and there are some great people watch uh, to watch here. And, um, but here at the church, uh, during the wintertime, we get a lot of people that will come by and drop stuff off at the church for, uh, for us to take a look at. Uh, and usually they do it in the afternoon when we're not here, um, and they just drop it off in the front of the church and then leave. Um, when I, they are here and I see and I hear someone drive up, I try to go out and see who it is because I want to see who's dropping stuff off. <laughs> um, but usually it's just like advertisements, you know, um, this or that or things like that. Well, this July, we got something very interesting. Um, a person dropped by. I don't know when they did it. Um, I was off doing, you know, something and came back and there was a note on the on the church underneath the mat out there and um, it is a written prophecy about what's going to happen in the next few months um, now this is interesting because it kind of ties into what we're talking about today there's no no one signed it or anything like that but it talks about this idea of um, in america we've kind of rebelled against god and i think that's true um, and this person gives a very pointed prophecy. And one of the things that I do appreciate about this is that it is specific, because usually the prophecies I run into are, are usually very vague. Um, but I just want to read to you the, the prophecy part, because this fits into what we're talking about in our new series that we're doing, Counterfeit um, Gospel. And so... I want to read you this because the first half is just about us being, uh, the nation of America being, or the U.S. being in rebellion, and then the prophecy is only in this little, as you can see, it's only that much. Okay, but I want to read it to you. It says, The Lord Jehovah has issued this warning. America has less than four months before a massive earthquake will devastate the state of California, and there will be more destruction to follow. So basically, by October, this is what the person is saying, by October or November, there's supposed to be a giant earthquake in California, and then devastation will continue on from that. I bring this up because um, we're talking about counterfeit beliefs that are seeping into the church. Uh, last week, we started talking about this, about how there are counterfeits out there, and how do we start noticing them? How do we know that they're not real, or how can we distinguish between truth and false uh, beliefs and teachings? And so we started talking about this last week, and we talked about how we, the, we have to start with us, right? That we have to first look at ourselves and go before God and ask God, hey, are there any beliefs that I have that are counterfeit, that I've been taught or that I have believed over the years, but are not actually in the Bible. And so we went through a couple of those, right? And we talked about how the, the counterfeits are not foreign to God's Word. God actually talks about how in the last days there will be counterfeits. 
And so we need to be able to, as a body of believers, be able to see a teaching and say that is a counterfeit or that is true. Okay, And so we started talking about this. And so we're going to spend two months going through some counterfeit teachings. But before we get there, we, we have to ask the question, how can we tell if someone is a false teacher or if someone is a false prophet? Whereas 1 John said, and we talked about last week, if they're an antichrist. Now, there's a difference in the Bible between the antichrist and an antichrist. Okay? The antichrist is that guy at the end that's going to do some bad stuff. Right? An antichrist is just anyone that is anti-Christ. It's in the name. Okay? And so, how do we know someone is a false teacher, false prophet, antichrist type of person. And so that's actually what we're going to talk about today because this that was left, there's a way to know if this is true or not. And so we're going to talk about this. If this is a true um, prophet of God or not. Because if you were here for our First Corinthians teaching, you would know that I do believe in all of the gifts. And I do believe in the gift of prophecy. Okay? And so I believe that there are people speaking truths from God. Um, a perfect example of this is actually Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff was given a, a vision several years back of Iceland exploding in, um, in a volcano. And not too long after, you had, and he only shared this with me and a couple of other people. Um, and you had a, a giant uh, volcano in Iceland that exploded. Um, and he's like, man, I should have told more people. <laughs> um, but, but so that's what we're talking about. How can you tell a false prophet or a false teacher? And we're actually going to find four clues today. There's more, but we're going to focus on four because four is going to take us a, a little while. Um, and we're going to be looking at three different passages. Okay, we're going to be looking at two passages in the book of Deuteronomy and one passage in the letter of 1 John. Okay, so those are the, where we're going to be at. So as we're going through this, we're looking for clues to help us see what a false teacher or false prophet would do. And so when, we're start, when people are teaching or they claim that they're from God, we can look for these four clues and say, if they make even one of those, then they're a false teacher and we need to start rejecting things. Okay? So here we go. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 18 to start off with, and we're going to be reading through verses 15 through 22. Now the beginning of this, Moses is relaying some things from God to the Israelite people. And he actually is talking about a future prophet that will someday come. And this is what it says. Deuteronomy 18, starting in verse 15. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord your God, Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they said is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone 
who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. Now, this is a f- the person that fulfills this is Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophet, um, this prophecy of our prophet. Okay? And we can't go into all of it, but let me give you some reasons why, just real quick. First, Jesus is an Israelite. Okay, that's a pretty easy one. All right? Jesus and Moses both escaped infanticide from a king. Moses escaped the Pharaoh. Jesus escaped Herod. Okay? Both of them came out of Egypt. Moses, because he was born there and the, he um, brought the slaves out, or the Israelites out. Jesus went down there for a time and then came back. So both of them came out of Egypt. And so you have these parallels of their lives. Jesus, or Moses was on Mount Sinai and he gave the Ten Commandments and the whole law. Jesus st- uh, stood on a, actually sat on the hill and he, in Matthew 5 and 6, 7 and into 8, he gives out the commands of God. Moses had this situation. In fact, um, Dan, a couple weeks back when he was preaching, he actually referenced this. There's a point in the Old Testament where Moses raised up a, a snake so that there was a, um, a healing that needed to happen. And so the Israelites had to look towards that snake and they were healed. This parallels Jesus' crucifixion where he's raised up and whoever puts their trust into Jesus is healed. And so the same parallels are going on. And so Jesus is the literal fulfillment of this prophet. He is the ultimate prophet, the one that speaks for God. And so this whole thing starts with the real prophet. This is the real prophet of God. Okay? And it goes into, what about the false one? And so let's keep reading. In the next verse, we have this, verse 20. It says, But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by by the Lord? Sorry, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. Okay? So, do you hear those last few words? Don't be alarmed. Okay? This is not something, when someone speaks falsely, we should be like, oh my goodness, the world's coming to an end. Okay? It is, but not because they spoke presumptuously. Okay? These are things that we need to understand that when it happens, we don't have to be alarmed. So, two clues come from this area. The first one is the false messenger gives prophecies that don't come to pass. That's the first thing. The false messenger gives prophecies that don't come to pass. So, if by the end of November there's no great earthquake in California, is this true? No. This person is a false prophet because it did not come to pass. Okay? That's the first thing. How many of you guys heard the name Harold Camping? Anyone remember that name? Okay, in 2011, he made a prediction that Jesus would return by May. Okay, 
I don't think it happened. Okay. But see, the thing is, is he had billboards all over the United States telling people that it was going to happen. Except he, had done so, he did something similar back in 94 and in 95. See, he was already, already proven to be a false prophet. Yet people continued to listen to him and give him a platform. And so he got to a point where he was able to do a, a nationwide thing where he prophesied again. And it was false. And he actually moved the date. I think it was to October. Yeah, one of dozens. I want to give you two. Now, I will tell you this. I will probably step on people's toes in this sermon series. Because I'm going to call out some names of popular Christian teachers that do these things. Okay, so brace yourselves. Okay, I'm not attacking you. I'm not attacking them. But we need to be honest. Okay, so anyone, um, I want to get these right, because I have a bunch of names. Anyone ever heard of a uh, person by the name of Pat Robinson? He is a very, very influential and popular teacher. Um, he's from the 700 Club. In 1976, he predicted the world would end in 1982. Okay, it did not come true. Another person, anyone know the name Ed Dob, Dobson? It's not, um, there's, there's two. Uh, Dobson, there's a Dobson that is the head of the family. Um, that's not who we're talking about. This Ed Dobson, he was a dean at Liberty University. He went on, um, he led this group called the Moral Majority. Um, he, so some of you that are older might have heard these things. Um, he went on to become a, a teacher a pastor, and eventually kind of went haywire. He said that Jesus was going to return in the year 2000. Again, it didn't happen. Just based on that, if we were in the Old Testament, they would have grabbed him, taken him out, and killed him. Because they spoke presumptuously and said, God told me this was going to happen, and it didn't. And so we need to start being serious about rejecting false teachers. Even though they might tickle our ear, even though they might sound really good, we need to take seriously about rejecting false teachers. Okay? But at the same time, anytime someone makes a prediction, we need to take it seriously. We need to take it seriously because this is what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 42. He says, Therefore keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. We, as believers, need to be prepared for the day that Jesus returns. That might be in five minutes. That might be in ten years. We don't know the day. And so we must always be on guard. And so if, say this prophecy comes true that I shared with you earlier. If that comes true, we don't need to worry about it. Because we are prepared for Jesus. And that's what the Bible is pushing us towards. Not to listen and be afraid for every little thing that's out there, but rather, Jesus is in control, He's coming back, and I need to be prepared for that day. That's what the Scripture is. And so we need to realize it. The second clue here is this. They speak in the name of other gods. So in Deuteronomy, the other clue here is they speak in the name of other gods. 
Now, in ancient times, when this is written, Moses is talking about the idols, um, Moloch, Baal, um, all these different beliefs of false gods, Ra from Egypt. You know, we could lump in things like Krishna or uh, Thor or any of these. These are the false gods. But today, we don't tend to have a lot of that. We do in other religions. We have Allah and Krishna and these things. But we, we're talking more right now in this series about false teachings that are entering the church. And so we're talking about what are some of those false gods. There are things like money, the false god of money, power, your best life now. These are the false gods that are coming into the church and pushing us away from God. Here are some names that you might know that teach these things. And usually you can know these types of teachers because they live in houses that even an ancient king like Solomon would gawk at. People like Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, and Jim Baker. People like this. Now, Benny Hinn did actually recently repent of preaching a false gospel. So I pray that he fully repents, and that's what we desire, right? Repentance, follow Christ closely. But this is the thing. This is what Peter says. Listen to how Peter describes false teachers, and this is why we can connect it this way. This comes from Peter's second letter, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people. He's talking about in ancient times. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the truth, the way of truth into, listen to this, disrepute. Let me ask you, I have had many conversations with people that are like, did you see that pastor who makes millions of dollars and they question God because of it? It's because that lifestyle and those teachings take the truth into disrepute. But it continues, he says, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories, their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. God will deal with them. Okay? But this is the thing that we have to be mindful of. It's not just gods like Loki. Okay? It's not just gods that are these, myth, these pantheons. It's gods that are desiring our worship. Material possessions. I will tell you this. God does have a plan for your life. And sometimes that plan takes you through hell. Takes you to and through the valley of the shadow of death. That's just the way it is. Jesus says, if they hated me, how much more would they hate you? Okay? The path of the believer is not always the easiest one. And we as Americans, we have a really nice, easy path compared to our brothers and sisters around the world. P places like Iraq, India, 
Lebanon, these places, our brothers and sisters are dying for their faith because their hope is not in this world. Their hope is in Christ. And that's how they can get through it. And so we need to come to an understanding that this stuff that we have, that God blesses us with, is supposed to be used for His glory. However He directs us to use it. And it's not a guarantee. I mean, we can see this, right, with this whole virus thing. Look how quickly we lost toilet paper. <laughs> right? Yes. That is not the best life. No. When you have, and I'll tell you what, we just got through a, a case of, um, or our little thing of one ply. <laughs> that is not a good life. <laughs> okay? And so God is, you know, it, yeah. But so this is the thing that we have to understand. God is not saying, I'm going to give you the riches and the things of this world. No, he says, you probably won't get that, but I have greater riches. Treasures in heaven are what we're supposed to be seeking. Okay? So these first two clues, they prophesy in God's name and it doesn't come true. That's obvious, right? That should be obvious to this. Okay, it's false. I should not follow a guy that teaches false things or predicts false things the second thing is they speak in other god's names they call us away from god okay those can be pretty pretty upfront, right pretty clear but let's go back a couple chapters to deuteronomy 13 and the first four verses because there's another clue here Again, Moses is relaying what God says, and this is what he relays. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of, of takes place, okay, that means he spoke a prophecy and it came true. This is what he says. And, there's an and, the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere, keep his commands and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. So the first two is the idea of they speak prophecies and they don't come true. Okay, shouldn't follow them, right? Or they speak in the names of other gods. Okay, we shouldn't follow them because they're not speaking on behalf of God and they're not wanting us to follow God. This one is, well, what if that prophecy comes true? Well, the next question is, is where do they want us to worship? Who do they want us to follow? If they want us to follow another god, it's the same thing, right? There's still a false prophet. In other words, it doesn't matter if there's a miracle or a prophecy fulfilled or any of that. If God isn't being worshipped, it's false. In fact, Jesus was having a discussion with a bunch of Jews. And he, in John chapter, um, let's see, where am I? <laughs> okay, this is Mark chapter 8. He's having this dis discussion and they want a sign. These Jews want a sign. This comes from Mark chapter 8, verse 12. 
And this is what it said. Jesus, he sighed deeply in the spirit and remarked, why do these living today demand a sign? Because we all want signs, right? That's why we would like, I mean, how many of you would love to just see miracles every single day? Or major miracles, right? Like you're going down the freeway. Oh, how about this? Quartzite in the wintertime? And you're sitting there wanting to get into traffic? I need a miracle, just part the way. Right? Little miracles, even things like that. Right? Or big miracles. God, I, I would really like to buy this new shoe. And I just need a cell. Right? And it's like, I just want this miracles, right? We want miracles because, one, it's good for us. Two, we can point to it and say, see, this is why I can believe. But then, listen to what Jesus tells that, those people. I tell all of you with certainty, no sign will be given to this generation. Why? Because it's, if we're trying to base our faith on the, the things we can get from God, our faith isn't in God. Our faith is in a genie. Someone that can just give us and give us and give us. And God's not a genie. God's not in, and this is a perfect example of why he is father. Why it says, Jesus continually tells, references the father. Why? Because I'll tell you this. My dad didn't give me squat if I didn't need it. Why? Because it would have made me a jerk. Uh, I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again. I was about five years old. I was in Stockton, California. We were in the mall. It was Christmas time. And there is a place called, or was, it's our business, called KB Toys. Okay? We were walking by there, and my mom goes into KB Toys, and as a little five-year-old, I wanted to go too. And I threw the biggest fit I could. And my dad grabbed me, took me to the side, and laid into me and told me, you know what? Because this is what my mom said. I'm going to go in and get a, a gift for this one of our friends. Her name was um, uh, Melissa. Okay? And I just threw that fit. My dad said, you know what? Actually, she was going to go in there and get you a gift for Christmas. But guess what? Not anymore. Because I... I from my parents, I just wanted stuff. God is not a God just giving us stuff. He wants a, a deep personal relationship with His creation that goes beyond stuff. And so, we need to start understanding this. So, the second clue here is, even if the prophecy comes true, even if there's a miracle... If someone calls us away from God to worship other things, they're still a false prophet. They're still a false teacher. Because they want us to get away from, get us away from Christ into other things. Let's go to the last clue. This one, we're going to jump all the way into John. Um, I figured if I didn't hit this one, someone would ask me afterwards, why didn't you hit this one? So we're going to hit it. There are other clues, but these are four really good ones, I think. So this one comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 uh, through 3. 
This is what it says. So John's writing. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming in now, and even now is already in the world. Now I want to kind of talk about what does it mean that Jesus comes in the flesh. I'm going to give you a bunch of different ways he comes in the flesh. The first one is this. Those that are false prophets or teachers, they deny the physical work of Jesus in salvation. Okay, That is the main thing. They, they reject the physical work of Jesus in salvation. What does that look like? It comes in a lot of different ways. It comes from this. They reject that he was even a historical figure. You just say he's a myth. Okay, I've run into people like this. Jesus wasn't even real, they would say. In fact, last year, we talked about a historical Jesus and how he's more historically true than most of your historical figures. And we used, you know who we used to prove that? An atheist. So historically, yes, Jesus was real. So, but people will deny that. They'll deny that he was a physical human. This is actually um, some ideas of Gnosticism, things like this, will run into this. But they'll say, well, he wasn't really a human. He was just kind of the spirit, kind of just kind of seen as a human. So they'll reject that he was actually flesh and bone. Another way that this will work itself out is that they deny Jesus' death on the cross. He didn't really die on the cross. This is actually in Islam. So Jesus didn't die on the cross. It was someone else that looked like him. Okay? They'll deny that Jesus died on the cross. They'll deny the full work of salvation that was done on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross and he says it is finished, guess what? It's finished. The payment for sin is done. There's nothing I can do to earn or get more salvation. All I can do is accept and that's it. I confess Jesus as Lord and everything is given to me that's through him. And so... But there are people that will deny the full work of the cross. They'll say, cross gets you so far, and then you have to work the rest of the way. That's not the scriptures. That's denying Jesus in the flesh. The, the last one, we actually, oh no, there's two more. We talked about this in 1 Corinthians. Jesus physically resurrected. He physically resurrected. It's not a spiritual thing. He's not in the grave anymore. He's physically raised. But people will deny it. They'll say, well, it's just a spiritual thing. It wasn't really a physical thing. No, the scripture is very clear. It is a physical resurrection. It's in the Gospels. It's in 1 Corinthians. The last one is this. He will physically return. He's not coming back in the spiritual sense. 
There are tons and tons of cults out there that will say, well, Jesus came in a spiritual way. Or the spirit of Jesus came upon our leader, and that's why this person we follow. No. We start looking through Matthew 24. Jesus says, basically, there's no way you're going to not know. Everyone will know on the day Jesus returns. And so to, to deny the physical return is, again, to deny Jesus in the flesh. And so, John earlier says this, in that same letter, in chapter 2, he says this, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father has the Son. Whoever acknowledges the Son has, also, has the Father also. Jesus is the key here. He came, He died, He resurrected, and He's coming again. And our trust in Him is the big thing. So we have these three clues, or we have these four clues, right? We have the clue, what if someone prophesies? Well, if it doesn't come true, automatically you know they're a false teacher. We have the clue of they're calling us to other gods. Not to the God of the Bible, but to a pseudo-God. Well, we know they're a false teacher. I'm just knocking this thing all over the place. There's the, well, what if there's a miracle? Or what if there's a prophecy that comes true? Well, the next question is, is are they calling us to God or are they calling us to another God? If they're calling us to worship another God or something else, we know that they're a false prophet, even if whatever they said or did came true. And then the last one is they're denying the physical work of Jesus. That he did, he came, he lived, he died he resurrected, and He's coming again. So these are just four simple clues that we can look at. When we're, when we're listening to a pastor, we're listening to a teacher, this is four clues you could do against me. If I ever speak and I, uh, prophecy and it does not come true, you need to walk out the door. Okay? Alright? If I ever call you to another God, you need to walk out the door. If something happens, I prophesy or do a miracle and I call you to another God, you need to walk out the door. If I ever deny the core of the gospel, which is Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection, His coming again, you need to walk out the door. Alright? Is that fair? Yes. Because that's what the Scripture calls us to. And so my challenge for you this week is very simple. We all have pastors or teachers in our lives that we, we like to listen to and we feel um, that they strengthen our faith or, you know, whatever. I want to challenge you this week to take these four clues, to take those pastors and say, I want to research this person. Have they ever spoken presumptuously on the, on the end of God? Now, there's a difference. I want to make one thing clear. There's a difference of thinking of something. So I could say, you know, it'd be interesting in about 2031, that would be about 2,000 years from about when Jesus was crucified, if Jesus returned in about 2031. That'd be really interesting. But it's different if I say, God said Jesus will return in 2031. Do we see a difference there? Yes. 
Okay, so if, a, if you put these against a passer and they said something like that, right, that, you know, it'd be interesting, this is an interesting thing, but they didn't say God told me. What we're looking for in that is God said this, right? We need to take these clues and to each one of those pastors, those teachers, take them and say, have they, t- have they spoken presumptuously? Have they spoken what God did not speak, made a, a prediction that did not come true? Did they ever call us to a different God? Did something ever happen, but they're still calling us to a different God? Or did they deny the core of the gospel? I was listening to, um, it was Kenneth Copeland. And I was listening to how he was calling people to accept Jesus as his Savior. There's one key thing in salvation that is needed, and that's repentance. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There's, a, there's an act of repentance. And as I was listening to Copeland, all he said was just, trust, um, ask Jesus into your heart and that's it. There's repentance that needs to happen. Lord, I repent. I ask you to come into my life. That one key thing, if we take that out, there's no repentance. And if there's no repentance, there's no salvation. Just something that simple. One word changes the salvation. And so we need to ask the question, am I allowing these false teachers into my life? Because I've got to tell you, there's been times when I've listened to teachers and I go, man, that guy's really, like, he's really good. He's got some really good insights. And I start listening to him more and more. And I realize, it doesn't matter if he has good insights. He's a false teacher. And that's what ends up happening. When we allow false teachers into our lives, then they start just slowly invading our lives with these heresies. These things that are not of God. And we start accepting them. can't tell you how many times I've run into people like this. That they say, well, my pastor or my prophet, and I say, I don't care. What's the Bible say? If you can't show me in the scriptures, you can't show me anything except what some person said. And so we need to take seriously. So I want to challenge you this week, take those four clues and just go with those teachers. And if they don't meet any of those, hey, you got a good godly teacher. And you need to keep me accountable as well. Because none of us, because I I will say things that you disagree with, but I want to make sure that I'm not a false teacher. And you need to be like, Jeremiah, you did this. And that's not okay. All right? That's the job of the elders. That's the job of everyone in here. Okay? Now, if I stumble or make, say something stupid, okay, well, you know, <laughs> that's me. All right? But this is who God has called us to, to be on our guard against false teachings. And then next week and the weeks after, we're going to start taking one false teaching per week, and we're going to analyze it, and we're going to see to make sure we know what is the true teaching so that we can see any false one that comes against. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that we can take it and we can... We can
see if people are false because we have the plumb line of your word. We have the standard by which to understand and to which to, to filter everything through. Heavenly Father, move by your spirit in us that we could be able to recognize things right off the bat. That we are so deep into your word. We're so connected with your spirit that, that none of, no false teaching, no false prophet would ever come into our lives to plant those seeds of heresy or uh, false teaching. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he has done everything. I thank you that he is the fulfillment of the law, that he has fulfilled every bit of it. Because I know, Lord, I couldn't do it. I know I fall short hourly by the minute. I fall short of the glory of you. And yet you have done everything through your Son that I am accepted because, as the, script, as the song says, he was condemned. So Lord, I thank you. And Lord, if anyone in here is dealing with false teachings in their lives, that you would reveal it to them. That those false teachers would not continue to plant seeds. That they would reject the false teachings and cling ever closer to you in your word. And Father, I pray for anyone in here that does not know you as their Savior, that does not know Jesus and his work on our behalf. Lord, that we would come and that we would struggle with your word. We struggle and realize there is no other place for salvation but through Jesus. And that we would call on him and that he would purify us, cleanse us, as your word says in First John, from all unrighteousness. Lord, I thank you as we continue to worship you through our song, through our offering. Build us into the church that you desire so that people would see and they would glorify you and that your gospel would go out from us. That many, many more would come to your kingdom. Not necessarily to this church because we don't care if the alliance is built. What we care is that you build your church, that your kingdom would be known to all nations. So Father, I thank you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.